G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it, it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25-year-old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi and welcome to History Makers, I'm Matt Prater Today we're speaking with singer-songwriter Shari Hall, how are you? Oh Matt, I'm doing exceptional, how are you today? Any fitter I'd be dangerous <laughs> <laughs> Now it's great to have you with us uh, today on History Makers And uh, I've been introduced to your music through a mutual friend And I thought I've got to get this girl on the radio She's got a great sound, a great heart Let's find out a bit of your story. Whereabouts were you born and raised? Matt, I was originally born and raised in Buffalo, New York. Cold country. (laughs) (laughs) And what was life like for you growing up there? It was an interesting place to grow up, but my life as a child was quite complicated. And that's kind of an easy word to use. I was raised primarily by a single mother who was Caucasian. And my father was an African-American musician and police officer. But our life in my early years was quite tumultuous. As you can imagine, in 1960s America, uh, the combination of a pretty little Caucasian blonde-haired woman with an African-American man, and they weren't married and having two children, was not an easy story for them. And that translated to quite a difficult upbringing for me. Wow. And what about, uh, was religion a big part of your upbringing? Well, my father was Catholic, and my father was quite devout in his spirituality. He used to read a lot of kind of old-time scriptures, like the Dead Sea Scrolls, <laughs> uh, and it used to talk about that a lot as we'd sit at the kitchen table with him with his guitar and me kind of singing some George Benson tunes that he was teaching me. But it was not really anything that I ever understood. Um, he was instrumental in sending me to a Catholic school when I was a little girl, so I went to Catholic school from, I think, primary school up to grade three. Okay, and tell us a bit about your early career. What did you do after school? Well, after school, um, I really dived into two very, very different passions in my life. The first was music. Music has always been part of my life and my family's life. And from a very early age, I started playing piano, taught myself guitar, and was writing little songs as a 10-year-old girl about my life and struggles as a youth. However, because we grew up in poverty, there was a decision in my mind that was made very early in my youth that I had to do something bigger and something more professional and some kind of career that would find more wealth and a change to my socioeconomic stars, so to speak. And so I actually really studied hard and excelled academically to the point where I ended up going to medical school and becoming a doctor. (laughs) Wow. 
Fantastic. And tell us, what area did you focus on as a a doctor? So there were lots of things that I was interested in, but I tend to be very procedure-oriented and quite methodical. And I ended up becoming an anesthesiologist, or as we say here in Australia, an anesthetist, um, because that allowed me to have contact with lots of patients from all different ages, across all different specialties, and it allowed me to do something right away. Like I had instant gratification. I knew right away that I was doing something good and something where the patients would benefit from my services. And there were lots of different fun procedures I could do, like putting tubes in people's throats and <laughs> you know, sticking needles in people's backs. <laughs> well, I was going to say, we both got the same job. You know, as a preacher, you know, I, I put people to sleep as well, you know, so we've got the same job. <laughs> no, I know you don't do that, Matt. <laughs> so I'm also curious to know about how you ended up here down under in Australia. That's a fantastic story. So believe it or not, one of my first jobs as a doctor was as a cardiac anesthetist. So I performed anesthesia for people having open heart surgery. I worked in a very, very busy practice in South Florida. And after only two years, if you can believe that, after only two years, my first job, I was incredibly disheartened and very, very unhappy. Uh, The work was very stressful. I wasn't particularly happy in the practice that I was working in and I wanted something more and I thought that there was something hugely missing from my life. So, (laughs) and this isn't just what all doctors do, I looked for an opportunity to travel and go far away um, but to still be in my career. And I happened to find, I was lucky enough to find a position at the Cannes Space Hospital. And I ended up going there, leaving everything behind. I took my suitcase, I took my guitar and my laptop computer, said goodbye to my kitty cats, my BMW and my waterfront apartment, gave it all up and came to Cannes, Queensland. (laughs) Wow, must have been a big lifestyle change, hey? Well, it was a big lifestyle change and actually it changed my life because here I am in Australia 23 years later. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know a bit of your faith journey. You, you, you really only had a, an encounter with the Lord about 10 years ago. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's true, Matt. It's not that I didn't always feel the presence of God in my life because I certainly have. And I realized that more and more as I started diving in and really listening to the lyrics of the songs that I'd been writing for decades. It's one thing to kind of know that God is there and present and omnipresent in people's lives and in the universe, but it's another thing to actually accept Him into your life and want to be a partner with Him in your life. And I think that's what I really didn't understand. Having struggled with faith and religion and Christianity as a teenager, kind of looking for a home, a faith home, a spiritual home, and never finding one. It really wasn't until I started producing and recording my own music that I started looking deeper at the lyrics. And and someone who was instrumental in that journey for me was Paul Gordon. Paul was my producer and one of the first people in my life to really say, Number one, listen to your lyrics. And number two, you have a story to share. And number three, if you don't believe God is in your life, you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) When I finished that album, uh, I actually had a moment where I realized that there was one thing that I needed to do that I hadn't acknowledged uh, 
outside, outside and spoken word to myself. And that was to accept and invite Jesus into my life. So I went to Calvary Church here on the Sunshine Coast with a very, very dear friend of mine who I've known for years. And she just grabbed my arm one day and said, come along. And that day, that time, that moment, I was overwhelmed. I was crying. I was overwhelmed with the spirit in me. And I walked right up to the front of that pulpit. And when the preacher asked, who's ready to accept Jesus into your life? And I raised my hand high and I walked up there bawling my eyes out and said, yes, please, please. I love you. You're here. I know you're here. You've always been here. And I'm really sorry it's taken me so long to say hello to you. And tell us, what was the changes in your life after that encounter? You know, my life is so much more peaceful and calm now, Matt. I just lived with a lot of anxiety. I lived with a lot of fear. I lived with a lot of crises with my identity, who I was, what was my purpose, why am I here? And when I started paying more attention to the messages that were being delivered to me. And this might sound a little bit funny to people who don't write songs, (laughs) but you know, if you've ever written in a journal or you've ever had that gut feeling in your soul where you hear that there's just a voice that's speaking to you, but you're not paying any attention to it and you keep kind of brushing it off to your side. Well, it was when I started listening to that voice and I realized where those messages were coming from that everything seemed to be easier for me. Not only was it easier for me, but I was able to project what I believed more clearly through the words and the lyrics and the, and the, the music of, my, of, of the songs that I was writing. And that was my way of communicating to the world, not only my faith, but what could happen to them in their life if they believed, as I do, that he's there all the time with me everywhere, every day, no matter where I go. And tell us a bit about your music career. Um, you've released a few albums. Tell us about uh, you know your, your recent uh, work that you've been putting out there. Yeah, so I've written four albums. Uh, the first is called Perfect Love, and that album is probably, I would characterize that as a sad album. <laughs> um, it is a journey. Perfect Love is a journey. I've actually just written a memoir based on the songs on that album because that's really where I came to Christ. By the end of the 12th song on that album, I realized that I am good enough as I am and that I am a child of God. And it's through that connection with Him that I realized that's the true authentic self I need to project to the world. The second album is called Faith, the third album, Three, for the Holy Trinity. And my fourth album, which was released this year, is called Hope. And all of those obviously come from uh, 1 Corinthians, Faith, Love, and Hope. Um, there's a reason why those are the titles of the albums. Um, and this last album, is it's it's fantastic. I believe it's, and I say that not because I love my own music, <laughs> um, but because I think it's so inspirational and more than anything I've ever written before, there's absolutely no doubt about what the message is coming out through these songs. I've worked with an outstanding producer in Southeast Queensland, Greg Arnett, and some of the finest musicians uh, that Queensland has to offer on this album. It's an eclectic mix of R&B to pop to contemporary Christian uh, to a little bit of hip-hop groove in there, some dance tunes. Um, But overall, it's an inspirational message of love, hope, and faith uh, in Jesus. 
Well, it sounds very eclectic, and uh, it's great to hear uh, that you're using your creativity to glorify the Lord. And, you know, since COVID, you know, a lot of artists haven't been able to travel and, you know, had to just, you know, reinvent themselves and do things online. Tell us what you do to get your music out there. Obviously, you're on YouTube and things as well, yeah? Exactly. That's true, Matt. And um, interestingly enough, I love to perform live. Uh, my live performing tends to be in the in the works of musical theater. It's a rare occasion uh, that you see Sherry Hall live performing um, my own music. I am very much a proponent of using the internet to spread your word. Um, while I love performing live, you might get an audience of 5, 10, 15, obviously, whatever, maybe hundreds of people if you become super, super famous. But I find that I can go on Facebook and get a thousand people to Mm -hmm. watch one of my videos or I can have a conversation on Facebook or put a video on YouTube and get hundreds of views that way and reach a much, much larger audience and have a deeper connection with people, um, even though I'm not sitting there in front of them with my guitar. So for me, especially this year, it's been all about having that conversation, you know, through video or through promotion, through um, the music on Spotify or any of the other streaming platforms that anybody has access to these days. Well, it's wonderful to see that uh, you're on all the different platforms and people can search you up on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, you're on all the the platforms. And uh, just before we go, Shari, you know, there might be people listening that are fascinated by your story. You know, after many years of... uh, knowing about God, you then had a personal relationship with God, you know, from 10 years ago. You know, there might be people listening that don't understand what it means to come to Christ and they might know what the gospel is. Would you share with the listeners what is the gospel and how do they respond? I will. And and it is, um, I think for a lot of people, it is very, very confusing. It certainly was for me because, as I say, Throughout my life now, I'm in, uh, without, you know, a lady doesn't reveal her age, but, (laughs) um, you know, I'm in my fifth decade of living now. And for the majority of that time, I didn't invite Christ into my life. It's one thing to say, you know, praise God, or I pray, or, you know, I, I, I know God's there in my life. But it's another thing to actually invite him in to walk with you side by side on the journey. For me, getting to know Jesus has really involved spending time in the Bible on a regular basis. I read the Bible every day. It's part of my morning routine. Um, I'll sit there, and especially some some of the New Testament is much more um, inviting to me in the Passion Translation. I'll sit there and read, and I find on the days when I'm not reading and I'm not inviting the Word into my heart and my soul, my behavior is different, my attitude is different, the way I speak is different, the thoughts that I have, the way I communicate with people. But when I'm in the Word every day, listening, breathing it in, listening to the music, inviting that into my life, that's when I present my best authentic self to the world. And I know that through everything that I'm doing, I'm trying to live a Christ-like life. Well, it's wonderful to hear your story today, Shari. And if people want to find out more, the website is sharihall.com, S-H-A-R-I-H-A-L-L.com. Uh, they can also search up uh, Shari Hall on uh, social media and uh, all the, the different uh, social media platforms. Uh, so great to connect with you today. Shari, I reckon you're a history maker. God bless. 
Thank you so much, Matt. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. You'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater and my challenge to you now is to go and make history. This year is the 50th anniversary for the Bible League. They're celebrating all that God's done in their ministry and they're praying into all that He's going to do in the next 50 years. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that's at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. If you'd like to support the Bible League as they reach the generations to come, go to BibleLeague.com.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.